Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I am your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. everyone uh gene ginsburg here again with another episode of listen by gene ginsburg and very excited to be here today with james fair how are you i'm fantastic gene thank you yeah you. um i'm i'm doing well I'm, I'm very excited to get into our conversation we actually both live in the rockies which i don't i don't interview too many people that live in the rockies <laughs> uh, i feel like everyone's either on the east coast or the or the west coast so it's nice to uh, meet a fellow Rockian, or I don't yeah, know how you would neighbors. Say yeah, I don't know how you would say that, fellow Rock Rockies and <laughs> um, so I usually like to start off with uh, the pretty simple questions just to kind of get our audiences on the same page. Tell us about your background. Sure. So uh, I've been in IT, uh, like I think you qualified as forever. Uh, I started like back before there were really PCs and. Uh, so professionally, I've been doing it for about 35 years. If you count my childhood when I played with like DOS, back in the DOS days, then it's like 41 years. So I've been in IT, uh, yeah, forever. I kind of worked my way up from entry-level tech to uh, senior tech to IT manager. I moved into to leadership. I made VP and then senior VP now. So now I love to teach other technical leaders how to be the best leaders they can be. Awesome. I, I, you were talking about being in the technology industry for like 40 years. And I remember my dad has been in the technology industry for like, since like, I don't know, the fifties or the sixties. And I remember he's telling me back in the day, like, he's like, computers back then would take up an entire room. <laughs> I was like, wow, yeah. that is yeah. pretty <laughs> insane. How small <laughs> I had to do punch that. cards. I mean, it was a, it was a school project, but I do it on punch cards once to program on that. And that was, that was painful. I can't imagine programming that way anymore, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I even remember floppy disks back. I mean, I think some people listening to this probably won't even understand what we're, what we're talking about. But if you Google a floppy disk, you know, you might get a relic picture of, of this thing. I have some. I'll share. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, so it's just funny how how quickly technology has evolved and how, I mean, yes, probably back from the 50s and 60s, that has been quite a while, but at the same time, Things have evolved so like rapidly in the last 20 years. Um, so it's kind of yeah. crazy. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about your organization then. Sure. So I work for a company called Executech. Uh, we are, I'll give you the spiel, we're an award-winning managed IT service provider. Really our services are about uh, IT support, cybersecurity, and cloud. Uh, what differentiates us is that we really put people first. So we bring in a team of, down to earth IT consultants. We're not the people who think that, you know, we walk on clouds and everybody else, you know, <laughs> should be enslaved to us. It's kind of the opposite. We realize that business comes first and we support business. Uh, so we've got IT consultants that are really friendly, personable, um, and, you know, dedicated to that company's success. That's what we're all about here. And what's your role with the organization? So I play a senior vice president. I'm in charge of all IT services, uh, technical services, employees, clients here in the Utah region. Okay, and 
typical clients that you work with or like industries? Uh, yeah. Uh, so we, we do not have any industry specific uh, niche at all. We target small to medium businesses. Those are really our target market. It's folks that know they need IT support and either don't want to try to do it themselves uh, or you know, can't afford or don't want to do it themselves typically. That being said, we do backstops in very large organizations. We have some places where we have four or five consultants at one place, but generally our bread and butter is probably the 30 to 50 user target. And is it managed IT service in the sense like you're managing their like internet phone? Everything. Okay. Everything. Yeah, if it plugs in, I, I, I know if it's appropriate. I had one client ask me, hey, you don't work on toilets, do you? And I'm like, man, I got, I <laughs> got a lot of Does it plug into your computer? <laughs> yeah, does it plug in, yeah, does it have network connections? Is it a smart toilet? <laughs> Otherwise, gonna have to pass. But yeah, I mean, we get, and we get every technology because everybody's got their different, uh, you know, we had one person working on overhead speaker system and everyone's got their in-house technology. Some people like Microsoft, some people like Google, but we do it all. We cover the whole, the whole spectrum from crawling underneath the desk, plugging into cable to working on servers, routers, and switches to helping companies decide what direct direction their company is going to go technologically. Now you talked, you made, you were making fun of toilets, but there are smart toilets out there. Are so there really? I, I'm pretty sure there are. I mean, well, I don't, so I don't know if you've ever been to a Japanese, well, if you've ever been to Japan or to a Japanese restaurant, they actually have like smart toilets. Like you can press these buttons and like, they, like water shoots out of certain areas wow and it's like, nice and like it's heated and the like the toilet seat can come up and down so the, actually i'm not joking you should like okay Google it's tracking smart. like fluxes per hour <laughs> my, my washer and dryer now they're smart i get announcements and it tells me like my cycle usage and all this but i've not seen it on a toilet i get to look that one oh out. yeah <laughs> that in japan they're like I don't know, they're very notorious about their toilets there. I'm not sure why, <laughs> but I actually, I've never been to Japan, but I have been to a Japanese restaurant where they use them sometimes. Okay, so is, I might have um, to go just to, do you guys need toilet support? I, you know what, <laughs> you, you laugh, but in like 10 years that all It's probably these, be a thing, yeah. I swear, this is like, you're going to go into an office and everyone's going to be like, we have the smart toilet. <laughs> and then you're going to be like, oh, great. So now I have to integrate the smart I toilet work on that now. <laughs> into the into the entire network system so yeah awesome. smart homes smart toilets smart yeah why not smart offices smart everything. i mean everything's right. going to be like in the cloud and then and then one day everything's going to crash and then we'll be able to go to the That's right. we'll be in a world of hurt we couldn't even flush our toilets anymore exactly yeah. so, um so how long has the company been around uh since 1999 started okay. as a one one guy working out of his truck driving around helping companies and we've grown it to, uh, we've got some 250 people across the West now. Uh, we've acquired a couple other organizations, uh, about 45 consultants across Utah, and about 150 across the Western United States. And do you mostly work in the, in the Western United States? Yeah. Yeah, we're trying to be the go-to MSP here in the West. That's our, that's our goal. Awesome. Wow. So um, how has COVID affected your, um, organization just out of curiosity, because everyone's had a different experience during the last couple of years. And now that we're kind sure. of coming out of it, I know places like Amazon and Jeff Bezos, they did really well, some places not so much. So wh wh what would you say was your experience during the last couple of years? Yeah. I don't know if we did as well as Amazon, <laughs> but we didn't, you know, we didn't hurt like restaurants did. Uh, there was definitely an uptick in the amount of work we got. Suddenly, all these organizations who were maybe they call us if something broke, they're calling saying, "Please help us set up, you know, a hybrid workforce. We got to get our people right. home. We got to get them working. We get them secure. How do we make that happen?" So we saw a pretty big uptick in work. Actually, we we were we were. I mean, I want to brag about it. We were profitable during the during the pandemic. 
Um, so fortunate for us, I was blessed to be in that organization, in that, in that uh, industry. Um, overall, I would say we saw a big trend toward, yeah, the hybrid. And customers who before were like, we want you in our office are now like, yeah, we'd be okay with remote work, right? People are a lot more amenable uh, to people working remotely. It's, it's become a thing. Their employees are doing it, so why not them? So really, I think the biggest challenge we saw was how do we set up work from home and do so securely when they may be on their home computer, on their home network, on their home wireless, and it's not set up by IT professionals in a secure environment like it was at the office. And I was actually just going to ask, like, what do you think was the biggest challenge during this time? Is it, is it that the security? Is that number one? Um, it was getting enough laptops out there. First of all, everyone wanted a laptop and suddenly laptops dried up like crazy. We had, you know, uh, supply chain challenges along with everything else and, you know, a big you know, uh, run on the market for laptops. So for a while, those were difficult to get. Uh, VPN licenses, everyone wanted to set up VPN. And there was not much understanding in the way that, like, if we set up 30 people to work remotely, suddenly our, inter suddenly our internet at the office is slowed to a crawl because everyone's connecting over that and we don't know why. So there was need for bandwidth, need for VPN. Um, but I would say a big uptick in trying to support those folks and do it in a way that they were secure. So mobile management tools, mobile management solutions, those kind of things, those are probably our biggest challenges we saw. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's definitely the the big thing, right? Is like how do you keep everyone secure when they're at home and they're not at the office anymore? Attached to the same um, wireless as their yeah. vacuum, right? Yeah, yeah as their toilet. Our vacuum. <laughs> toilet, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um <laughs> absolutely. Toilet is stealing our secrets, probably. <laughs> um, it's listening in. Yeah. Oh, just like Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> I, totally. Don't you ever find that? I don't know if you're on Facebook or on Instagram, but if ever like I speak about certain things and I'm like, oh, why, why am I getting up? an ad I, I, mm -hmm. on, on Instagram about the same thing I was just talking about? Yeah, it's a feature, right? They're trying to supply us with what we're looking for, but it's right. it's creepy. I've had conversations with people and suddenly it shows up and I'm on my on ad. I'm like, no, wait a minute. I did not search for that. What is going on here? So yeah, I can relate. Um, as a digital marketing agency, I we of course do Facebook ads, and one of the, actually a client did ask me that. They're like, "Well, how come when I say something, I just like get that on Facebook or Instagram advertised to me?" And I'm like, "She's like, how do you, how do you make that happen?" I was like. I honestly don't make that happen. I don't think that it's actually public information that Mark Zuckerberg has mentioned that he's doing that. So it's like all on the hush hush. But I think there's something in the back of, of Facebook's ads manager that allows you to do that without even me yeah. having, like as the agency having to like press a button and say, yes, I would like to listen in on your conversations and advertise. <laughs> Rip extra for that feature. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard that like if I get friend with somebody on Facebook, then their likes also may become like, I'll start seeing some of their stuff too, because we probably have things in common. So that may be part of it as well. That could be, but I feel like it's like, it's like Alexa, right? Whatever's the equivalent of Alexa for, for Mark Zuckerberg. Right, right. I don't right. know if they have one, but maybe it's like, like it's, it's installed on your app. I don't know. I can't, I can't speak. <laughs> I don't want to say too much because then I, I feel like I'm going to cease and desist letter from <laughs> From Facebook. I'm oh, sorry. Meta. We were listening to you. And... Know, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> From Meta, they're going to be like, we were listening. Yeah, to there you go. Heard exactly. what you said. <laughs> we're going to ask you to stop doing that, please. Yeah. I, so I, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to confirm or deny anything I just said. It, it's just all hearsay and speculation. <laughs> um, and tell me about some of your um, big uh, projects you guys are working on now. Like, what's the future look like for you guys? Yeah, so for us, it's a big move to cloud. 
right? Everyone wants to move to the cloud. Uh, and, and there's definitely some advantages to it. Now I've got an environment which is managed by a whole bunch of security people, right? It's a whole team of people at Microsoft or Amazon or Google, and they're gonna be probably far more likely to encounter or watch for problems than a couple of guys at the office who work part-time. So a big move to cloud. Um, we're also seeing, what else is in the future? Uh, mobile management, everybody wants to work mobily, right? People right. wanna be able to work and platform independent. So I wanna be able to work on either my Windows machine or my laptop or my iPad or my Mac, you know, or my phone. So a lot of moves to how can we set up our, our staff to be able to work remotely and cross platform. That's a big part of what we're doing. Right. Um, and what do you mean by cloud? Are you saying like all having all your files in the cloud? Is that the move? That's versus... part of it. Yeah. We're also seeing a move to like servers in the cloud. So how do I move my QuickBooks server into the cloud? So I no longer have to house this piece of equipment that I have to replace every five years that could die. And if we lose power or internet, then our remote people can no longer you know, connect to it. So now I put it up in the cloud and I've got redundant power and redundant internet and redundant geolocation, right? If something goes down because of an earthquake or some other natural disaster, suddenly it's available on the East Coast or West Coast or vice versa. So um, there is a cost to it, absolutely. But the scalability is super easy, right? You double your number of employees, I push a button and you, I've doubled the resources available on that server in the cloud. Right. So th there are definitely some pros to moving to that environment. And we're seeing more and more of that. I think we're in the throes of the, the last bit of the server room at the office is probably going to be a, a dying thing. It's going away. I'm pretty certain of that one. I was just going to ask, like, is that still a thing where there are server rooms and you have to there, go in there, there are. manage them, <laughs> replace them? Yeah, there are. Them? But but it's becoming less and less. And one of the big requests we get very often is, how do I get to the cloud? How do I do it uh, without interruption? Right? How do I do it fairly seamlessly? Um, nothing's flawless, but that's a big part of what we do is we come in and help folks move to the cloud and get used to that new environment and, and how that functions because it's typically different from your in-office. Right. But yeah, server rooms are going away. It's true. I, oh, uh, yeah, I, I've never had that, uh, had that um, I guess, functionality, if I were to say, <laughs> right. of, of a server. Yeah, when, when I started the company, everything, uh, 10 years ago, the digital marketing agency, um, everything was already, like we, we created the whole organization to be in the cloud from like the beginning. And so as we started Smart. growing, everything was on Dropbox, everything was on like, like our QuickBooks is in the cloud, right? We don't have a little nice. QuickBooks like yeah. solution, just as an example. But yeah, because I was like, I, you know, well, our whole team is remote. So we have, has always been remote before the pandemic. It's always been awesome. remote. So we're like, well, how do we, you know, um, get all this stuff organized for a bunch of people yeah. that are working all over the place? <laughs> yeah, it comes with challenges, right? How do we make this work with everybody? How do we collaborate across this? How do we make it all work together seamlessly? Yeah, so yeah. I appreciate that you've tackled those. Nice job. Well, I, I think I didn't really tackle because I didn't have to change anything, right? We 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 started, like, we grew the organization to have that in the back of our, like, mind. Like, it's not like we had to go from, like, local QuickBooks to, like, online QuickBooks. So it was right. like... So maybe that was a little bit easier for us because like we didn't have to go through the pains of like making the changes and and like changing how we use it and things like that. And then, then having the giant server in in our non office because we don't have an <laughs> so we don't have an office. <laughs> I have a server back in the closet back there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice, nice. You're <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the whirring, the whirring sounds. <laughs> um, so that's. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, so when we were talking offline, you mentioned um, that you are passionate about leadership. So what, what does that look like for you? 
Yeah, I, I love, so I've been in leadership for about 30 years. And when I started, there was no manual. There was, I mean, there weren't, I'll be honest, there were no podcasts. I wanted to find out something. I'd go, I'd go to the library, get my mom to drive me to the library where I could go research some things. So there was no manual. And really leadership was, uh, for me, was a learn as you go thing. Make some mistakes, learn from those. And I did a lot of studying of some of the great leaders in history. And I would bring those to, to my leadership experience and see what worked and see what didn't work. So I, I want to teach leaders how to be better leaders. I think rather than letting them stumble through it, uh, particularly in most leaders these days have come from some internal organization. So, hey, you were a great tech. Let's make you a supervisor of techs. And like, oh, you're doing great as a supervisor of techs. Let's make you a manager of a whole bunch of techs. And suddenly it's a whole new skill set that they may or may not come to the table with. So preparing those folks, um, what they want to think about as far as how do we make this people, you know, a people first organization? How do we generate loyalty and trust? Uh, I have a firm belief that if you empower the people, everything else comes with it. So that's what I'm all about is teaching leaders how to create those organizations where it's high trust, high loyalty. And in, in return, you get high efficiency from those folks too. Uh, right. So are you talking about like, man, uh bringing up leaders in your own organization or you're just saying like you know working with like people outside your organization and just as a as a side project uh, a little both but okay. primarily it's about i'm in a position now of senior leadership so i teach those junior leaders how to be better leaders how to be better managers and we're doing the same thing we're, we're picking some of the best techs out there and saying hey would you be interested in going into management and then i'm hopefully giving them the skills to be successful at that rather than just letting them Pop around like I did. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> Go ahead. I was gonna say, I you know, of course, having uh, uh, running a business too, and we're not in the tech space, but of course, kind of thinking about leaders and bringing people up from in, in through the ranks, and you know, it's just it's 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 been. I don't know how your experience, and you can definitely share, but it's definitely challenging, right? Because like, let's say like in in, a, in the digital marketing agency, right? People are good at maybe copywriting, and they're good at running Facebook ads or, you know, or account management, right? Like relationship management, right? Like they're all, they're good at their, but then it's like how it's been hard to evolve them in, or like having, not just giving them the skill set, but also like having the desire for them to have a desire to be like, desire. yeah, I actually right. want to go up and like, and I've had a few people that are great at it, but then I would say it's definitely for me a like to challenge, to find that's that next like level where like, yeah, you know, I don't want to do just copywriting, but I want to oversee a bunch of copywriters and then I am. So, yeah, um, it's a challenge for most people because suddenly I have to have those tough conversations with people. And that's a really uncomfortable place for a lot of people to be like, oh, I, don't, I don't want them to think I'm a jerk. So how am I going to have this tough conversation with people? That's definitely one of the areas where I focus is how do we have tough conversations with people that are actually empowering? Because most of us, we just sit there and, and let it stew and let it stew and it builds up inside of us emotionally. And then we just kind of blow up at someone one day and it doesn't work out very well, right? <laughs> it's not a very effective way to, right. to lead people. So it's one of the things I really want to teach people is how to have difficult conversations in a constructive fashion right. rather than a heated emotional method. Um, yeah, that's yeah, one, that's, right? For sure. It's conflict resolution, right? How do you have those? Yeah. And that's for a leader. I mean, I know I've had to learn to do that over the years with like having those, but when you're a leader, you have to have the tough conversations, right? There's no one right. else to do them for you at this point. A lot of people put them off though. I mean, yeah. uh, Brene Brown did some studies, right? She came back and found something like 85% of organizations out there weren't having those difficult conversations and it's very impactful and people feel lost and uncertain and don't, and don't know where they are. And I, I, I had this really 
I had an experience in my past where an employee said, man, I just wish someone, he was being terminated at the time. And he said, I wish someone had held my feet to the fire earlier. Maybe I wouldn't be here right now. And that right. really struck home to me. And I thought, okay, this is, this is a, a big learning opportunity. We really need to have these conversations early on. So there are no surprises. I don't want anybody ever. I did a termination where a guy walked in, gave me his stuff and said, yeah, I know. <laughs> That's how it should be. It should not be a surprise it to anybody. It should be. But I, I feel like I actually just did a termination a couple, I don't know, probably about a month ago and had several conversations with this person beforehand, you know, hey, we got to we got to shape up. We got to get this stuff going. We got to, you know, here are the problems. Here's what the team has said. And then he was like, well, I don't know. Like I was I thought. And so it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of this could be a lot of defense defensism in this in these conversations where there is it's like yeah. we. We try to, I mean, being, you know, try to be a good leader and try to be like, well, I feel like we had these conversations, but yeah, it, it can be challenging for sure. It is. People, people are in a position where, yeah, you're, you, they feel like you're attacking them. They get defensive. Right. So it's a, a lot of, if you can throw in some vulnerability, it helps a great deal, right? If I'm vulnerable, maybe we can have a vulnerable conversation and be real with each other rather yeah. than you feel like I'm attacking you in this, in this place. That's no fun. Yeah. Not productive. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's kind of, you, you want to have a positive conversation, but that conversation is never positive, right? Because you're terminating someone. So it's like you want to, but then it's like, I mean, I know having been terminated like before a long time ago when I had like, before I became unemployable as I am now, like I, it's never like, a, yeah, it's never a fun yeah, conversation. Never fun. I've, I've had a couple myself. Yeah. So. I got fired from being a lifeguard. That was oh. bad. <laughs> easiest right. job in the world right i got fired from that one so well, yeah I mean, we'll say that story for another time it's, though. Uh, it's, it's easy <laughs> but then it's it's not easy when 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 the when it actually becomes difficult right when you oh, it was so boring <laughs> as an 18 year old kid it was so boring um, that's funny um sorry no no that's that's just that's good to, and interesting to, to hear what, where people have been fired from lifeguarding <laughs> is one of them <laughs> yeah yeah so um well changing gears a little bit and 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 wrapping up um as our well second to last question the last question is always sure. how do our how do our audience get in touch with you but the second to last question is um i like to have this kind of as a wild card i always ask uh, everybody on this um on the, during this interview is what is your prediction for the future and i i keep it very open-ended and that could be specifically for your industry or it could right. be terraforming mars self-driving cars robots <laughs> taking over you know, the, the apocalypse, whatever's top of mind to you. I, I, everyone kind of goes in a different direction, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I typically keep it to, to the field I work in. Sure. Um, so I, I see certainly, as I mentioned before, a rise in cloud computing, uh, a decrease in, in the server room environments, more cross-platform, uh, unfortunately, for a while at least, more cyber attacks, more ransomware. I wish that weren't true, but I, you know, as a space I work in, I, I believe it is, unfortunately. Um, and more of these multifaceted attacks from criminal organizations. They're going after infrastructure targets. That's a big deal. And it's not going away anytime soon until we all start talking to each other as, as a world. Um, in other avenues, I... I'm a big crypto advocate. I see cryptocurrencies and it's going to be a fight to get there, but I see cryptocurrencies taking over at some point in the future. So even if we create our own, there'll be digital currencies are coming for sure. In which capacity, like uh, replacing uh, fiat currency or what, what do you think is uh, I, down the road? I, th I, I think, well, 
all right, here we go. So <laughs> when we created the inter the internet, right, there were there were a whole bunch of people who said, oh, this is a passing fad. This is ridiculous. Sure. And as a tech person, I looked at it and I said, no, this is global free communication. This is here to stay. And I believe that some of the crypto stuff we're seeing is very similar. This is the first time we've had a, a world uh, level currency. So could it replace fiat? Not anytime soon, certainly. But down the road, I think it will. I think it could. Now, there's going to be some some resistance to that. And I believe countries will create their own. I don't doubt we will create a United States, you know, crypto dollar at some point here in the near future. But yeah, I think it's coming. Wow. I, I didn't expect the crypto thing, but for sure, I, I, I can see that be a decentralized currency, right? Because yeah. of course, that's not like that. There's so many valuable, um, well, there's so much value out of decentralized cryptocurrency um, that right now there's just currency has become so, or like the operations around currency has become so bureaucratic, I guess is what I would say. Yeah, <laughs> Maybe in a good way. Yes, and yeah, hidden, yeah and, and right. not transparent, right? Yeah. Right. So I, I totally can see the benefits of uh, and the value of, of crypto. It's just, but as, as with any, everything, there's always going to be a, a resistance to it, right? Because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, people and organizations a lot of, and industries that yeah. want it to stick around, right? Like banks, yeah. right? They don't lot, want there's a lot of banking, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Jamie Diamonds of the world who would prefer yeah. this not become a reality, that's for um, sure. It's actually funny. I know someone who is uh, who is in the banking industry and uh, they have like 62 locations, like branches. Um, and right. he was, and, and we were talking about like crypto. He's like, yeah, I, I would never, you know, like, invest in crypto and i was like yeah it's interesting you know you say that now like not investing but like thinking about the bank from like you know from a future perspective right right, right now yes but then at the same time like it's like it's always like, like we always look at the competition as like what we don't want to do but then eventually exactly. the competition takes us over right and it's like we fight it and fight the like that concept because we're like well we no, like I don't believe in cryptocurrency, like as a bank, but then eventually, like it overtakes, right? <laughs> because the no one thought overtakes. the the Pony Express was going away, but right. or yeah. you know the post office is going to take a hit. But here right. we are, and I think the trucking industry is going to, is going to be overturned here with self driving vehicles, self driving cars, right? Like we talked. Yeah. yeah, actually, we did. I did have somebody about a year ago on my podcast, and that was the question I, I asked them. The open ended question, right? What do you think is the is uh, the future? And he actually talked, yeah, specifically about. Um, how the world is going to change with self-driving cars because that's you know going to affect trucking. It's going to affect people yeah. who have trucking jobs, right? Like it's going to be like a, a massive whirlwind of of, of downline like effects, right? Not just like self-driving cars. I have a self-driving car, but like all of the ramifications of what that would look like for industries and for people and for jobs. So yeah, every time a new tech comes out, that that typically happens, right? We see an industry kind of die off and. But we always adapt so far, and it's only improved our world as we've gone. So I agree. We have to look at yeah. historically. I totally. I mean, all of this new stuff does improve our world, but there's always going to be resistance to it, right? I feel always. like there wasn't that much resistance to the internet, but I feel like it was like a, a new thing that like we didn't really con like. I never thought about like the internet before the internet, like because like I can you know I can like, imagine cryptocurrency before cryptocurrency because I can conceptually understand like okay there's like regular fiat currency then there could be this digital currency but I didn't think about like the internet as a new communication tool so I don't know I feel like there was less resistance to the internet <laughs> there there was resistance to it for a while I mean oh, I was yeah. at a business where I said hey we're gonna spin up a website and they're like 
What's no, we interviewed all of our, our our customers, and they said, "Ah, oh, it's a passing fad." Now these were older folks, so they're right. just like, "Ah, it never happened, right?" And well, here we are today, where this is kind of—I mean, everyone uses it, right? Yeah, so, it's interesting to see coming. the the evolution of it. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks so much. This was a really great conversation. Uh, last question, as I promised, yes. is how can our audiences get in touch with you or your organization? Yeah, thank you, Gene. Um, and it has been a pleasure to hang out with you. Thank you. It was uh, fun. Uh, so we set up a website for this. It's executech.com forward slash cast or C-I-S-T. Uh, I'll spell it out. E-X-E-C-U-T-E-C-H. So executech.com forward slash cast. And my name is James Fair. Reach out anytime about anything. I'm happy to talk. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Been a pleasure, Gene. Thank you so much for having me.